want to introduce this subject by saying that on the 30th of October, humanity passed a massive threshold where we saw 5 million people who officially recorded deaths from this coronavirus. Of course, the unofficial numbers are much higher. And then the untold millions that have suffered because of this virus, people who have contracted the virus, people who have lost their jobs, people who have lost their careers, people who are struggling with mental illnesses and all kinds of problems, there has been a result of this uh, coronavirus. And if I can distill two things that people are looking for today in this world, it's hope, number one, and number two, it's peace. And these are the two things that are so elusive, but I, I believe that God is going to speak to us through His Word uh, today. I want to talk about the subject of peace. Corey Ten Boon once said, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look at God, you will be at rest. Amen. Uh, so over the next two weekends, I'm going to address these two issues, uh, one on the subject of hope and the other on the subject of peace, and I want to look at the subject of peace with you today because this is such a desperate need uh, in the church. There are four questions I want to examine with you. Number one, what is the peace of God? How do we define it? Because it's important for us to understand what we're pursuing. Number two, how do I get it? Uh, it's no use knowing all there is to know about peace and then not have it in your hearts. Amen. The third thing is how do I pass it on? Because that's the essence of the Christian faith. Freely we have received, freely we give. Amen. What God has given to us must be able uh, to be imparted to other people. And number four, how can I maintain this posture of peace? Because we can lose His peace and so we want to know how we can have this abiding peace in us. So I want to begin by defining what the peace of God is. John 14 and verse 27, one of the most definitive verses on the subject. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world give, give I unto you. Isn't it ironic that the most definitive definition of peace in the entire scripture comes from the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed and the next day be crucified? Can you imagine all the pressure that was bearing down on him and he was still able to impart peace to other people? Hallelujah. And that gives us a very different picture of what the peace of God is. His peace is not the kind of peace that the world gives. To the world, peace is the absence of conflict or the absence of war, but peace is not, but to us, we understand that in the midst of trouble, we can, uh, we can have this amazing sense of uh, uh, this ability to remain at rest, even in the most fearful of circumstances. This kind of peace is not determined by environment, but rather it rules in the midst of a great storm, hallelujah. It's more than an idea, it's more than a feeling, it's a heavenly substance. And the peace of God is a big deal in the Bible, in Jesus' great discourse that began all the way in John chapter 13, all the way to John 16, before his prayer in John 17, his teaching led to a focal point, and that focal point is the principle of peace. He concluded this entire discourse in verse 33, and he says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me, in me, you will have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation or trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome this world. Come on, amen. And this is where uh, he was leading us to. Only in me, he says, can you have peace? And again, I want to emphasize to you that his peace doesn't mean an absence of conflict. Listen, in this, in this world, you are not exempted from trouble. As long as you're in this world, you will have trouble, but you don't need to be troubled. Amen. That's the Christian faith. You, need, you don't need to be troubled in the midst of trouble. Woo! Hallelujah. Why? Because Jesus has overcome this world. 
There's a wonderful story that best illustrates this whole principle of peace. And uh, I want to just share this with you. A story of a man, who, a wealthy man who wanted to, to acquire a painting that depicted perfect peace. And uh, not finding one, he decided to hold a contest, invited all the painters and all the artists around the country to submit their, their, their entries, their, a picture that would best describe what peace looks like. Of course, that fired up the imaginations of all the painters and paintings started coming in from all around the country. And on the day of the contest, they unveiled one picture after another picture uh, to the applause of the people. And when they unveiled one picture, people would applause and the next. And finally, they came to the last two pictures. These were the best two pictures that depicted peace. And the first painting was uh, pulled, the cover was pulled out from the first painting and a hush fell amongst the, the audience. It was a beautiful picture of a lake it was serene and under the evening sky. And it was just beside uh, uh, a beautiful grassy slope. And there was a flock of sheep. And the picture just spoke tranquility. It was such a beautiful picture that depicted peace. And everybody thought that's going to be the winning picture. The second picture was unfolded. And everybody guessed because it was a picture of a tumultuous waterfall. And there's this wind and lightning and thunder and, uh, and the, there was this, uh, the, the wind, uh, you, you can almost hear the sound. And, and then all of a sudden you see a little tree that's hanging out in the, in the waterfall. And then on the tree there was a little nest. On the nest there's a bird with its wings covering its young. And totally undisturbed, totally at peace in the midst of a stormy surrounding. She, she rested, her eyes closed, her wings covering her young ones. Man, she manifested perfect peace. This is the correct picture of biblical peace that in the midst of a terrible storm, you can have peace. Hallelujah. Now the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom and it means wholeness. When somebody says to you shalom, it does not mean I hope you don't get into trouble. What it actually means is I hope that you have the highest good coming your way. And the word peace is, a, you know, it's a difficult word to translate in any language or any culture. I'll just give you a few examples. The Quechua Indians in Ecuador uh, were such a warlike tribe that they had no word for peace in the language. So they translated peace to mean to sit down in one's heart. Uh, to them, peace was the opposite of running around in the midst of constant anxieties. The Chio Indians of, of Mexico define peace as a quiet heart, a heart that is at rest. The Kechi Indians of Guatemala define peace as quiet goodness. The Chinese character for peace is the word An. That's all I know. And in the symbol, you'll find a Ruth with a character of a woman underneath it. And the symbol, of course, represents the thought that an ideal home is managed by an industrious woman, an assiduous woman. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you this, my friends, that's the key to peace in your household. Make sure your wife's happy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Husbands, let me tell you this. Your wife will always have the last word in any argument. Anything you say after that is another new argument. <laughs> I always tell the men in our church, look, forget your mistakes, right? It's no point having two people remembering the same thing. <laughs> The Apostle James tells us that one of the qualities of wisdom is, the, is peace, and the absence of peace simply means that wisdom is not present. Every time there's strife, uh, je jealousy, envy, quarreling, the peace just lives, man. And the opposite of that is confusion, and when there is confusion, there's every evil thing. In the discourse in John 14, 
Jesus kept on saying, do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. Why? Because that's where his disciples were. They were in Jerusalem. They were troubled. Jesus could have been arrested any moment. There was a lot of hostility. There was a lot of animosity against the disciples. And everybody was afraid. And the contrast to it was a stark reality to the peace that Jesus himself was experiencing. He was going to be crucified the next day, but he didn't show any sign of anxiety. And that peace is also constructed, uh, contrasted with not just with trouble, but also with confusion. You know, the word Babylon is personified in the Bible as confusion. And Judah, of course, was held in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. And it's a prophetic picture that a lot of Christians are now are held in, in bondage and in confusion. And it's time to proclaim emancipation from our captivity. Hallelujah. I believe the Lord wants to set people free today from bondages. Amen. Now, when we quote the scripture, come out of Babylon. Have you heard preachers say that? Come out of Babylon. What does that mean? Is that a geographical experience or is it a spiritual experience? It's a spiritual one, isn't it? Now, you may be in the midst of great trials and you still have this profound sense of peace. One time, Jesus was on the boat with his disciples and he was fast asleep and a terrible storm arose that was clearly satanic. It wanted to, Satan wanted to drown Jesus. And the disciples woke Jesus from his sleep and said, don't you care that we are perishing? You know, Dr. Bailey had a friend who had a beautiful vision of this whole episode. He said Jesus was curled up in the, in the, in the boat with a pillow. He had a pillow, the Bible tells us, right? And then they woke him up and he stretched himself and he walked up to the, uh, to the, the, the boat and he lifted up his finger to the storm and he said, peace. Be still, and the, the whole storm simmered down to a whimper, hallelujah. Three words from the lips of Jesus, and the wind changed from a scream to a whisper, amen. Can you imagine the disciples trying to work themselves into a frenzy, trying to, to still the anger of the storm? The storm would just laugh at them because the tempest know it is stronger than the disciples. But Three little words of Jesus can accomplish so much more than all our strength can muster in a hundred years. Come on. And this is the kind of peace that Jesus wants to give to us. Amen. He wants to impart His peace to us that even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, we have this amazing sense of rest and tranquility. The second question is, how do I get it? Because you can know all there is to know about peace and be scared to death. The New Testament talks about two kinds of peace. Number one, the first is what we call the peace with God. And that has to do with our standing and our position with Christ. The second kind of peace is the peace of God. And that has to do with our experience. One is the peace with God. One of the, is the peace of God. One is a gift. One is a fruit. One is subjective. One is objective. And let me just begin by talking about the peace with God. And the definitive verse is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. What Paul is saying here is you cannot have peace with God unless you are first justified by faith. Yes? And there is no peace for the wicked, period. We all came into this world fighting against God. We were all part of that rebellion that began with Adam and Eve. And we were all enemies of God and we did everything to militate against His laws. But when Jesus came into this world, the hostility ended and He wrote the peace treaty with His own blood and we ceased being enemies of God and that treaty, that bond, that covenant of peace declares we're now at peace with Him. Come on. Now to understand how this works, some explanation is necessary. 
all our experiences, spiritual experiences are instantaneous and progressive. For example, we got saved. The moment I believed in Jesus Christ, I got saved. I got born again, I got saved. But I'm still being saved, amen? I'm saved, but I'm still being saved. Paul said, to work out our faith, our salvation with fear and trembling. There's also an instantaneous act of being justified by faith. And then there's a progressive act of justification, bringing us into a right relationship with God. Now, this principle of justification can be illustrated with a typewriter. Before the advent of computers, we, we use typewriters. And for those of you who don't know what a typewriter is, here it is. Uh, when you're doing a typewriter, the left-hand column of the paper is always perfectly straight, but the right-hand column is uneven, right? One is longer, one sentence is shorter, one sentence is longer, and it looks jagged. But when you send it to a printer, the printer would straighten up the, the right hand as straight as the left hand, right? The process of straightening up the, the lines is called justifying. He justifies us, the Lord justifies us instantaneously at our new birth, but then there is a process, a progressive process, where He works this justification line upon line. He straightens us up in order that we can be as straight as our Lord Jesus. Come on. So being justified by faith is a continual process. God is putting His finger on areas of our lives all the time. This week, He put a finger on my life and one area of my life that seemed to be very insignificant. I have a, I, there's only one game I have on my mobile device and I, I think I started getting addicted to it. You know, every morning, the first thing I do, God, I got to play this game, you know. And uh, the Lord kept on speaking to me. He says, I want you to, Delete this game from, it was just an innocent game, totally. Uh, but I found myself thinking about it. I found myself, you know, in the nights, how can I get to the next level? <laughs> and the Lord started really dealing with my heart. And finally, I, yield, I said, Lord, I surrender. And I deleted it. I said, I'll never go back to this game ever. It's finished. It's done. It's buried. I'm, I'm done with this. And the moment I did that, I'm telling you this, I immediately felt this, this sense of release in my spirit. I sensed this peace. I sensed this joy that I was willing to just yield. And it's a small thing. I know it's a small thing, but some of us, we are struggling with issues. But I tell you this, when you surrender those things to God, when He puts a finger on your life and you surrender them to God, something is released in your heart. He justifies you line upon line. Amen. But there's a second kind of peace, and it's called the peace of God. Now, Paul tells us that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And the order is very important, right? We cannot have peace unless we have righteousness, and we cannot have joy unless we have peace, all right? It's the righteousness of God that leads us to peace that brings the joy. That's the order. Now, Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17 says, the work of righteousness is peace and the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance for us. If there is sin and it's not repented of, there cannot be peace in our lives, my friends. It has to be dealt with. It has to be repented. Whenever our wills are in conflict with God's will, we will always feel miserable. But when we yield to Him, that's when the peace of Christ returns to us. Now, the peace of God is a work of righteousness. The effects of righteousness is a sense of deep tranquility. It also means that two-thirds of the kingdom has to do with experiences. Righteousness is our position and our standing with Christ, but peace and joy ought to be experienced on a daily basis. Come on, hallelujah, amen. Out of the peace with God comes the peace of God and that is able to still even the most fiercest storms. 
but you cannot obtain the peace of God until you are first at peace with God. Am I making sense to you? All right. How do I pass it on? That's the third question I want to ask. Did you know that together with mercy and grace, peace is the most common salutation in the Bible? The two occasions that Jesus, when he appeared to his disciples after the resurrection, what did he say to them? He said, peace be with you. This is John chapter 20. Twice, he appeared to them. Twice, he pronounced peace to them. What was he doing? He was imparting his peace to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 12, Jesus said to his disciples, when you enter into a house, if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. Through the spoken word, you can impart peace to uh, a household and it can envelop the whole household. You can impart peace to a person, to a household, to an office, where you work, wherever God has placed you. Got to learn how to impart the peace of Christ. Amen. Now, you can only give what you got. What you don't have, you can't give. Amen. So let's be conduits of peace. Say, God, I want this peace in my heart, Lord. I want the peace of God. I want the peace of Christ ruling in my life because I want to be able to pass this peace on. Amen. You know, I tell you this, my friends, we, we, we need to change our salutations with one another. When we meet each other every day, what do we, when we meet people on the weekend, what do we say? Hey, bro, what's up? Yo. <laughs> I think that's what they say. Why don't we start saying this? Shalom. Every time we meet somebody, shalom, peace be with you. Good. After this, man, just meet somebody. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Speak the peace over people. Amen. I'm telling you, there's something about speaking the peace of God. You're imparting something of Jesus' peace within you to the person. Hallelujah. Amen. Number four, how do we maintain this peace? Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, you shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I think this must be one of the most greatest promises in Scripture because God is not just promising peace to the man whose mind is stayed on him or focused on him or centered on him. He promises perfect peace. Come on. I, I was looking in the Scripture. I mentioned this, I think, several weeks ago. And the word for, shal the word for peace is shalom. And so I looked at the word perfect, and the word perfect also means shalom. So it actually says, peace, peace. And this double emphasis in the Hebrew language only serves to uh, communicate intensity. It's as if God wasn't satisfied just to open one door of peace to you. He opens the double door of peace, and He says, shalom, shalom, hallelujah, amen. And perfect peace is not just to have His peace, it is to be kept in His peace, amen. Most of us, we experience what is an off and on sense of the peace of God. But here is a man who abides in that peace. Hallelujah. It doesn't leave him in a time of trouble. How do you experience this double sense and promise of peace? It is to have your mind stayed on him. And this is what I've been talking about. You've got to learn and experience and you've got to exercise it and train your mind to, to stay on the presence of God at all day. It's called the practice of the presence of God. Staying your mind at him, on him at all times requires the highest levels of discipline. But what it does, it greatly increases the peace of God in your life. You know, I, my mind likes to wonder. When I'm praying in the mornings, you know, I, I, I pace up and down 
and I'm walking up and down in my room and I see my shelf and I, oh, that, that book has to be removed and maybe put in the other shelf. And I walk around and I walk around, okay, I better make this call tomorrow to some. And you know, my mind is always wondering and it's a, it's a difficult process, but I'm saying this to you, my friends, if we can start focusing on the presence of God, start focusing on the person of Jesus, there's going to be this amazing sense of peace that's going to dwell in your heart. Amen. Now, finally, allow me to describe what His peace does for us. Number one, His peace is a guide. Philippians 4 and verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word for God is used in a military sense. It's to stand at a, at a post to guard against the aggression of an enemy. The enemy is always trying to keep us in anxiety. It's trying to keep us in fear, always trying to distract us, to rattle us and make us lose our peace. Because in the absence of peace, there's confusion in every evil thing. When peace, but when peace is on God, we are protected and we're no longer exposed. We enter into a citadel from which nothing can dislodge us. Hallelujah. Amen. And the fortress is Christ and the God is peace. Amen. Now, Paul also says that the peace of God here doesn't always make sense to the carnal mind. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Bill Johnson commented on this one time. He said, if you want the peace that passes all understanding, you have to give up the right to understand. The second thing is, his peace is an empire. Paul says in Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word rule is to be an empire. Now, Paul urged the Colossians to spend to depend on the peace of Christ till it becomes an empire in a game, in a decision, you know, in, when you're in a soccer game or whatever game, the empire has a final say, amen. He's the final arbiter in your life. Let the peace of Christ be the final judge. Let the peace of Christ be the final arbiter. If the peace lifts, it means something is not right, all right. Number three, peace is a, is a weapon as well. Now, we don't often see peace as a weapon but there's something that, if there's anything that agitates the devil, it's the peace of God. It's to see God's children at perfect peace. Hallelujah. Now, Paul says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Not the God of war, the God of peace. And it's his peace that crushes Satan. You know, Jesus had a calm about him that was supernatural, even in the midst of incomprehensible resistance and persecution. When he stood before Pilate, he was so calm, he was so serene, he was so self-controlled that Pilate became agitated with great, uh, with great anger. He was furious that Jesus was standing before him fearless and he said, do you not know that I have the authority to release you and that I have the authority to crucify you? And in perfect peace, Jesus replied and said, you would have no authority over me unless it's been given to you from above. In other words, don't kid yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's the kind of peace He gives to us that even in the most difficult circumstances, even in the midst of the most difficult dangers, there's this sense of serenity. Hallelujah. The same calm from trouble, the same freedom from anxiety. Amen. And number four, peace is the poise of, of the soul. Have you ever noticed that when you're anxious, the peace departs, right? Uh, it's strange. I, I don't know if you have experienced this, but, you know, just a moment ago, you were experiencing this tremendous sense of peace and suddenly you don't have it any longer. And you start to 
trace it back. You start to think back, what happened? Where did I lose my peace? And you think about this and you go back, yeah, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. And then you go back to a, a, a telephone conversation that you had with somebody. And somebody said something, there was some information that was given that all of a sudden rattled you and made you lose that peace. Someone said something or you heard some bad news and you allowed that information to rattle you and cause you to be anxious and all of a sudden that peace lives. Have you ever experienced that? You know, it was there a moment ago, but then all of a sudden it lives. And you need to go back to that place and say, God, I don't know why, but this information rattled me and I have the sense of a loss of peace. And I'm praying, God, that you will return this peace to my heart and deal with the situation. Amen. Come back to that stronghold in your life. You need to return to that conversation and ask God to fill your heart with peace. Amen. It's an interesting scripture in the Song of Songs, chapter 7 and verse 14. It says, your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by the gates of Beth Rabin. Now, this is uh, the bridegroom describing his bride. That's the bride of Christ. Beth Rabin is a city that's full of confusion, strife. city was full of shouting, confusion, strife, and arguments, and like, like any large city today. But just outside the gates of the city were pooled, the, these pools of Heshbon, and these pools were dug by King Solomon. They were very deep and they were extremely calm. And this is the picture of the bride of Christ. She is going to manifest such a great sense of peace in the midst of great confusion. Amen. Now, when you read a thriller, I used to not, I don't do this anymore. When you, you read a thriller, the last thing you want to read is the last chapter. Because the moment you read the last chapter, then it takes all the suspense away. And if you know how everything is going to end, there's no more surprise, there's no more anxiety, there's no more suspense. Why do you want to read the thriller anyway, right? But when it comes to life, I really think that we can do without the suspense because we all want to know how everything is going to end. And the key of this, of course, is to go to the last chapter of the book of Revelation and read it. And guess what? Jesus wins. Hallelujah. Amen. Totally. And because we know how the story ends, even in the midst of utter chaos and problems, we know how everything is going to pan out. Amen. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, friends falter, e economies will fumble, the COVID may perceive, but we can be at peace because we know what's at the end. Amen. The contrast to this is in John chapter 14 and verse 27, and Jesus said, His peace is not as the world gives. You know, this world's peace is really worthless. Since 36 BC, there's been 15,000 wars. Since World War II, despite all the efforts of mankind for world peace, there's been an average of three new wars every year. The world has got no solution to peace. I, I was a man that was praying for 60 years at the Wailing Wall every day, praying for world peace, world peace, world peace, world peace. And uh, a journalist heard about the story and interviewed him and said, sir, what is it like to pray for 60 years in front of the wall? He says, it feels like I'm talking to a wall. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, you know, peace does not rest in the hands of politicians or world leaders. The New York Times observed that peace is a fable. The peace that this world knows is shallow, it's unfulfilling, it's a pseudo kind of peace. That's why people are trying to escape uh, and seek peace through alcohol, drugs, and all kinds of escapism. But I tell you this, apart from God, there is no peace. 
And we are the only people on this planet that have the kind of peace that passes all understanding. A man had a sign on his desk that said, I have so much trouble that if anything happens to me, it will be two weeks before I can even start worrying about it. <laughs> you know, the Bible, uh, the fruit in the Bible that describes this concept of peace is spike nut. And spike nut was a very costly ointment. And in biblical days, you can only get spike nut from one source, and that's from the Himalayan mountains uh, of altitudes above 10,000 feet. Very hard to obtain spike nut. Can you imagine how difficult it is uh, if it's difficult today, can you imagine how difficult it was in the days of Jesus, right? Once you obtain it, you have to transport it all the way back to the Middle East in, a, in an alabaster uh, box. And if you remember the spike nut that was uh, preserved uh, in a box uh, was broken and Mary poured it out at the feet of Jesus. And that was probably the most, um, the most significant, extravagant act of love in the entire New Testament. One year salary, she just poured it out on Jesus to show how much she loved him and how much she, she adored him. And Jesus said, what this woman has done will be preached. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed, what she has done will be told as a memorial. Come on, hallelujah. I want to pray this uh, evening and I want to close and I want to just ask the Holy Spirit, first of all, to put the peace of God in your hearts. Amen. If, you don't have, if you're not born again yet, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that you can have peace with God. And that peace with God only comes through the person of Jesus Christ. You have, through Jesus, this excess at peace with God. Amen. Now, from the peace of God, we can have the peace of God. Amen. And I know that some of you are struggling here today, and maybe the peace of God is lifted up from you, but I want to pray that God will fill your heart with His peace. Will you stand, please? Will you stand? And I want to begin to pray for your families that God will speak peace over your household. Amen. So important for us. We have to speak. That's how it re peace is released through the spoken word. Hallelujah. You got to speak peace. Those of you working in your, uh, in your, in your different offices, you can proclaim the peace of God in those places as well where God has placed you. Speak the peace of God. Hallelujah. But I tell you this, true peace can only come from the one who gives peace. The Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Lord, I, I just thank you for the peace of God. And I just thank you with the, uh, for the peace with God. And I thank you that peace is probably the most costly thing or one of the most costly things in Scripture. Lord, it's hard to have peace, Lord. But I thank you what Jesus has done for us is to bring us into peace with God and then to give us the peace of God that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Lord, I'm asking you today as I speak over this congregation that you will impart to them every single person in this room right now that you will impart to them the peace of God which passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, Shakaraba. Lord, impart to them, Lord. Release the peace of Christ to them in Jesus' name right now. Shikaraba, Sondaraba. Lord, I speak peace over their households. I speak peace over their families. And oh God, over our marriages, Lord, I speak the peace, Lord. Where there's been conflict, Lord, where there's been misunderstanding, where there's been strive, where there's been quarreling, Lord. I speak the peace of Jesus Christ right now. Shaka Rabba Sandaraba Satarabba. Oh Rabba Sondorobo Satarabba. 
Lord, I speak the peace of God over people going through difficult situations right now with their children, with their families, Lord, struggling in areas of finances, Lord. I speak your peace over those situations. God has got your back, my friends. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just pray in the Spirit for a few moments. Every, everybody, just wherever you are, just pray right now and say, God, fill my heart with your peace, Lord. Fill my heart with your peace. Lord, I thank you that your peace is a, an empire. Hallelujah. It guides me, Lord. It helps me to make the right choices. Hallelujah. I thank you that your peace is a God. Hallelujah. It guards me from the enemy. It guards me from, the, from anxiety. It guards me from confusion. Hallelujah. I thank you, God, that your peace is the poise of a soul, of a man's soul. Hallelujah. That even in the midst of the most difficult circumstances, Lord, I can have peace. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Lord, I, Lord, I thank you, God, that you paid such a high price for this peace. Hallelujah. Oh God, everyone in the world today is seeking for peace, but I thank you that only true peace comes through Jesus. Hallelujah. The Prince of Peace himself. Woo! Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for this peace that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. I just want to pray before I close. I just I feel like I want to pray for people that need healing today. And if you need a, some form of healing in your bodies, if there's a sickness, if there's a long-standing illness that you've been going through, and maybe some of you are struggling with a, with a fever, whatever you're going through. If you're struggling with a fever, you should not be here. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, wherever you are today, just lift up your hands. I just feel, I just, I just felt that the Lord wanted me to pray for healing. Father, I thank you that your word, when it goes forth from, you, from your mouth, does not return void. You heal your people by the spoken word. You sent your word to heal their disease. And I thank you for Cornerstone Community Church, Lord. And I pray right now, God, that the word will go forth from heaven, Lord, from your lips, Lord. I command, I speak healing, Lord, over every disease, over every sickness in Jesus' name. Lord, that your word will heal the sick. Hallelujah. Right now, wherever they're standing, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you that you have by and large protected this church from COVID, Lord. And I just pray in Jesus' name, cover us with the blood. Cover us, Lord. Let there be no fear of COVID. Hallelujah. Let there be no fear of COVID in Jesus' name. Lord, you have overcome this world. Hallelujah. And I pray for your protection over this community, Lord. No cancer, no premature deaths, no suicides, no abortions, no miscarriages, no COVID. Hallelujah. No COVID in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, cover us with the blood. Let there be this protection over your people right now. Hallelujah. And bless them, not just with healing, but with perfect health. And let them prosper as their soul prospers and be in health. Lord, I thank you for the promises of God. I thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. By your stripes, we are healed. By your stripes, oh God, we are healed. Hallelujah. So I speak your shalom over your people today. 
Shalom, 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 hallelujah. Let them go forth in the peace of Jesus Christ. Let them know that their sins are forgiven them. Let them know that, Lord, if they would judge themselves, they would not be judged. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray the blood of Jesus will cover them in the name of the Lord Jesus and the blessing of God the Father, the blessing of God the Son, and the blessing of God the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise. Amen. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.